Hey everybody and welcome back to Infinity Watchers. I am John, I'm joined here as always by Jared. And we're going to preview Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings today. Uh, Jared, we're just a couple days away from seeing this film. Um, I'm very excited about it. I think it's going to be a great breath of fresh air for the MCU. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I feel too. I'm I'm very excited as well. I am excited to get a new, a brand new character and a brand new, fresh take on, uh, on a uh, Marvel property. Um, when was the last time we got a new character introduction? Was that Captain Marvel? Yeah, it would have to be Captain Marvel. And even then, they were still tying in older characters that had already been introduced with right. Coulson and Fury. So mm -hmm. really Black Panther would have been like the f most recent where it brought a whole new cast of characters to the table. Yeah. And it's interesting you bring up Black Panther because I think this has maybe not, um, I don't know if this is going to be as heavy on the themes as Black Panther was. Um, it seems like kind of the hallmark of this film is going to be the action, which mm -hmm. is, you know, rightfully so very exciting in and of itself. But, my expectations for it are, you know, kind of with Black Panther in the sense of like world building and lore that we get. Like, I really, really enjoyed that part of Black Panther. Like they made Wakanda seem like this new, unique place that we hadn't seen anything like before in the MCU. And I, I kind of hope they do something like that with Shang-Chi because it's really showing a whole new side to mysticism and maybe even, you know, bringing in some cosmic stuff, too. You know, if the Ten Rings have their comic origins of being actual dragon rings that are space alien dragons, <laughs> um, you know, there could be the potential to, you know, bring in some elements that we haven't seen before and something that's so fresh and new and just feels feels right. Well, I think and I'm pulling this idea and in in this thought from some of the preliminary reviews that have been released over the past week, but one of the freshest things to come out of this is going to be the action as as you had said but in the sense that this is main this is going to be actual hand-to-hand -hand style combat it i mean sean chi is known as the master of kung fu right so i'm expecting to see action done in camera in wide tapes uh actors and stunt doubles actually doing the work it's not all cgi Mm -hmm. um essentially it's not end game <laughs> over yeah, again yeah, yeah. or it's not the end of black widow where it looks like a ps4 cutscene for literally the the entire final battle it'll be good to see a fresh take on combat and uh style of fighting that uh we typically don't get to see and when there is hand-to-hand -hand combat in the mcu it's usually cut to hell to where you can't really tell what's going on. It's right. edited around as opposed to showing it all in camera in one long take. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for that aspect as well. I think this type of fighting style, and we know there's going to be some CGI in there. The Ten Rings are oh, their yeah. own, you know, mystical power set. But you know, some of the other things we've seen, like the skyscraper scenes that are in the trailer, the fighting ring stuff, um, and what may might be Madripoor, we don't know. That just seems so visceral and real and kind of something we haven't really seen from the MCU outside mm -hmm. of um, probably the Netflix series, you know, just brutal fighting styles. Well, even brutal. that, even then, that's not even, well, I guess Iron Fist was Kung Fu, but 
yeah, other than that, Iron Fist. <laughs> you're not missing much. I mean, yeah, Daredevil was more of like um, outside of maybe some of the the hand stuff was, was more um, street brawling, just brutal street brawling. Yeah, yeah. Luke Cage was the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, and Iron Fist, they tried to do they tried to do the some kung fu and karate martial arts style uh, combat. It worked to an it worked to an extent, but Iron Fist itself just fell apart completely because Danny Rand was not an interesting character. Yeah, uh, it wasn't compelling. He wasn't he wasn't really anybody you wanted to root for. Uh, I never watched season two, and I heard that was better um, after the after he was basically given the uh, the go ahead from Matt and Daredevil slash Daredevil to be like the the guardian of that set of New York. But mm-hmm. um, the most memorable episode of Iron Fist I can think of was directed by RZA, and it was basically a martial arts style tournament in a warehouse. That's cool. That Danny had to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not not to go on too much of a tangent, but I have seen people kind of propose that they keep the naming standard of the Shang-Chi movies um, consistent, kind of like they have with Spider-Man, including Home in there, mm-hmm. and just having all of them be like Shang-Chi and the Legend of Legend. something. And I've seen like mock-ups of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Iron Fist, which I thought was pretty cool. Like if they reboot that and yeah. work it into Shang-Chi, like that could work pretty naturally. Yeah, I Iron Fist is such a cool, cool character that yeah. I I would like to see him like rebooted and done correctly mm-hmm. and not just be some whiny playboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that Danny Rand is a playboy, but and a rich kid, but uh, he's just so unlikable <laughs> in his own show that yeah. it's it's very hard to sympathize with. Um but yeah, I I liked that idea. Well, I feel like our, uh, mentioning Iron Fist just kind of like deflated the room. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I um, think that that really sucked the soul out of this podcast. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> we needed this. I mean, we needed something to compare it with. <laughs> so far, Kung Fu standards in the MCU. Well, Netflix series aren't even the MCU. Yeah. Uh, but the hand to hand combat in general was has pretty low standards so i'm expecting this to really uh really bring the bring the heat mm-hmm. uh, especially since they're pulling from bruce lee movies they're pulling from the kung fu movies of the 70s mm-hmm. um and they're i mean destin daniel Cretton, the director is wearing his influences on his sleeve on this one yeah and wh- why don't we speaking of uh destin daniel Cretton, why don't we kind of run through uh, his work and then some of the other folks that, that have worked on this film. Yeah. So uh, he's a relatively up and uh, he's a relatively new uh, indie director. Uh, well, not relatively new. He's been around or he's been in the, he's been up and coming for about a decade now, but this is one of his biggest breaks. His independent debut was, I am not a hipster. Uh, then he directed short term 12, which was really Brie Larson's breakthrough. Then he directed The Glass Castle and Just Mercy, which just came out about two years ago. Hmm. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen any of these. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't either. Honestly. I've heard of all of them. I haven't. I just haven't had a chance to watch any of them. I really should have watched uh, Just Mercy in the past year. I just didn't have the chance to. But I, what I find interesting, and I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, but three out of four of these starred... Brie Larson in a either lead role or supporting role. Hmm. So I'm I'm curious how much 
say or pull she had in getting him yeah. onto this project. Or do you, do you think um, with his relationship with her, do you think she makes it into the film? I was just about to suggest that, but I, I don't think so. That might be a little much. Well, I, I mean, if they're if they're going to start, and here we go. We just kind of we just kind of jump on tangents, but um, <laughs> I'll I'll save my thoughts on that for a little bit further in our discussion. Here, we can keep going with with uh, Destin. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't really have much else to say about him oh, right okay. now. Gotcha. But anyway, okay. go ahead. Um. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he's going to be a strong choice for this. You know, they Marvel is not afraid to hire these kind of indie writers uh, or indie directors. I mean, um, and you know, to your point, I wouldn't be surprised if Brie Larson had a say in it or was at least consulted on it. You know, saying like, "Hey, what what was your experience working with him?" Um. But you know usually when you see these director selections and you go back and watch their films and they kind of speak for themselves and you understand the choice even without that type of influence. So, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm excited to see what he brings to the table here. Well, speaking of Brie Larson, I listened to, um, Dad Shepard's podcast today and mm-hmm. she, uh, she was actually the guest on it, but she's currently in, um, she's currently in London she wasn't allowed to speak of the project that she was working on. So it's presumed that she was working on, she's, filming the marvels over there Interesting. Um, i mean she even said that me not being able to say what it is i'm working on gives away what i'm working on <laughs> um so yeah. i'm cu- i'm curious if um obviously this would have been filmed what a year and a half ago at, at least a year ago right uh, i'm wondering how much she has to teach how much she has to keep under wraps as well um but i thought that was interesting yeah, um, that is. Yeah, it makes you wonder kind of if they uh, could it be like Miss Marvel reshoots, too. And that's why she can't say because, I mean, her involvement oh, that's possible in the too. Marvels is announced already. Right. Um, or Secret Invasion. I think that's probably going to be starting production soon. Oh, yeah, that's true. So I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> Cretton is bringing his longtime writer uh, collaborator with him to Marvel. Uh Andrew Lanham, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, Lanham, Lanham, uh, who wrote The Shack and also wrote The Glass Castle, The Kid, and Just Mercy. Again, I cannot really speak on any hmm. of these, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, we also have a we also have a co-writer on this in David Callahan, uh, who has a uh, has a large who has some experience in writing blockbusters. Um, he wrote the script for Doom, the story and script for the entire Expendable series, um, the 2014 Godzilla, uh, Jean-Claude Van Johnson, the sequel Zombieland Double Tap, uh, the sequel Wonder Woman 1984, uh, yeah, uh, the reboot of Mortal Kombat that was released this year, uh, America the Motion Picture, which was released on Netflix this year and is... Uh, one of the writers on the upcoming Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse 2. Hmm. Okay. I mean, that's an interesting uh, repertoire. I I would say, I mean, it looks like Marvel has faith in him, given that they're bringing, um, well, I guess that'd be Sony, so never mind. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can't say that the, the script is really the focus of uh, anything that they have listed there. Um <laughs> You know, we've I think we've dealt uh, on this podcast talking about a Godzilla versus Kong writer 
um, and the the challenges of writing the human characters in a Godzilla movie when everyone mm-hmm. is going to hate it regardless because anytime a human speaks, it's not Godzilla breaking a building down. So um, <laughs> you're kind of in a lose lose situation there. And that was the Gareth Edwards Godzilla too. That was yeah. the one that was like I enjoy, supposed to. I enjoyed that one. I really so. liked it too. Yeah, I, I mean, I've enjoyed all of them to be honest with you, but yeah, um, I really liked. Um, the first two expendables never got around to seeing the third one. I didn't see Double Tap. Yeah, I um, didn't see that either. As much as I love the first Zombie Land, I never got around to seeing the sequel. Same. Um, we've both expressed our gripes about Wonder Woman 1984 on yeah. on this show <laughs> mm-hmm. and the problems it has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously Mortal Kombat from this year. It was fun. It was fine. I I feel like that was a good test run for what this is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially with the what very much looks like a tournament scene in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, a Mortal Kombat style tournament. But yeah, I mean, the script of that movie and the dialogue wasn't the the strongest. Not not to say it's easy, but I don't think it's too hard to write a Mortal Kombat movie. You just need to throw in some some of the quotes here and there. Have yeah. um, have Scorpio say "Get over here," and then that that's really all you need. I mean, there are only like five very notable quotes from Mortal Kombat that you have to just kind of shoehorn into any Mortal Kombat film. And and I guess, I mean, if he was on the team that did that, then mission accomplished. (laughs) Hey, it did that. It was, I mean, it it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. Did you see it? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but it was fine. It was fine. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't expecting the world. I wasn't expecting Oscar award winning dialogue in a Mortal Kombat movie. (laughs) Um, It had its problems, though. It was Mm -hmm. kind of slow in parts. I think I don't think it did Kano Kano correctly. Mm -hmm. Um, But I mean, it was fun. That's all you can really ask for, though. Uh, And then we have just a few notable stars uh, that will be starring in (laughs) Shang-Chi. And that's uh, Simu Liu as uh, Sean Chi, Aquafina as Katie. I always forget she's in this, and I don't know why. <laughs> I, I know I mean, she it was. Seems like she's like a really huge part in it as well. So. I know. I don't understand why every time she pops up in the trailer, or I see her on on her poster, or I see what I have written here, I <laughs> think, oh yeah, Aquafina's in this. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, Tony Leon as Wenwu, aka the Mandarin, and Michelle Yeoh as uh, Yin Nan, Yin Nan. I apologize for pronouncing any of these incorrectly. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited for this cast. I know. I mean, Simu Liu just seems like such a genuine person. Mm-hmm. Like everything I've seen from him is just, you know, he's just cool, kind of like a happy-go-lucky. He's just happy to be here kind of guy. I know. You know like, he's so he's charismatic. Like a, fan. a fan was just thrust into the role. <laughs> yeah, he really is, and I'm I'm really excited to see that translate to the to the screen, and I'm sure it will. Well, I I had started Kim's Convenience. I didn't uh-huh. get I didn't get too far into it, but I really liked him in it. I really liked how charismatic and, and he's probably the one of the funniest characters on the show. Mm-hmm. As John the brother, but I am excited to see how well he translates into the MCU. Yeah, same here. I think Aquafina is another interesting one too. She she's very funny, but I feel like you can uh, you can have a little too much of her, <laughs> you know, if she's only comic relief, I guess. Because I've seen movies where she is 
very explicitly the comic relief, you know, and she doesn't have much of a, a role outside of that. So I'm just hoping that, you know, they give her a little bit more of a substantial role to play in in this. Uh, I feel like I feel like they will to an extent. I mean, I don't think we're going to get Kat Denning's level of annoying. Yeah. In Thor, the dark world. I think right. I, I think Aquafina has enough, has enough clout and yeah, uh, and leverage to say I, I know when to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that's where Kat Denning's problem started was or her problem was in the sense that there was never an off switch for Kat. Mm hmm. Right. You know, it took yeah. until WandaVision for us to get a character who we could kind of relate to. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And then Tony Leung, I mean, he's just going to be amazing in this. You already can uh-huh. just tell from the trailers. <laughs> he's a legend. Yeah, as our, our real Mandarin. Yeah, and Sir, Sir Ben Kingsley. I mean, we're assuming we're getting him in this as well. Um, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how substantial of a role he plays. Does do you think he just shows up and gets killed off? Um, you know, being Trevor Slattery, or do you think he's just kind of uh, in a jail cell? Or what do you what do you think his involvement is in this? I think it'll just be a brief cameo. Um, I think him and possibly Stuart McNary both did a cameo where he gets killed off in one way, mm-hmm. even if he's just killed off off screen, or they or they order him just to just take him away. I don't think we're going to get much beyond that. Yeah, I think that's a fair expectation. I don't know what else you do with the character without it taking up too much time in the movie and being unnecessary, you know? I mean, you could, Um, I mean, they could have written it in to where it's like a symbolic gesture of we're killing off the fake Mandarin and here's who the real Mandarin is. I'm just projecting here, and this is really stretching it of uh, of Marvel saying like, "This is where we were, and this is where we are now." Mm-hmm. That, type, that type of move or maneuver. Um, that's a little corny and a bit of a stretch, but I, that's a way you could do it. Yeah, definitely. And one thing that kind of lends credence to that is the the quote unquote movement on Disney plus over the last few weeks where we've had a a Marvel studios legends episode around the 10 rings. So pulling clips from all hail the King and the Iron Man series. And then they actually added all hail the King to Disney plus the short. Oh, I wasn't Um, aware. You can watch, you can watch the full short there and that's the only MCU one shot that is on Disney plus right now. Oh. So they clearly want people to go back and revisit that and, and become familiar with it. So, um, you know, that is a definite both of the things tied together is a definite along with the, him being at the premiere is a definite uh, confirmation of Ben Kingsley, I'd say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so and that, that makes me think that it might be a little bit more substantial, like maybe they're setting him up for a little something down the line or. Um, they, or maybe specifically even Scoop McNary's character, like you, you had kind of speculated on a past episode. So, uh, I think, I think we'll get some more information about what, what's really going on there. Um, and it's just, it's just another great example of Kevin Feige and the powers that be at Marvel, <laughs> like planting these seeds 
and paying them off whenever they can get around to it, you know? Yeah. Like they they didn't have to do that all hail the king one shot. They clearly had a plan to bring the real Mandarin into the fold after the response to the fake Mandarin <laughs> in Iron Man 3. After that um, was the one thing everybody hated about Iron yeah. Man 3. <laughs> And I wonder if this kind of changes people's tones on that, because I think that was a huge problem a lot of people had with it, you know, um, and I would imagine knowing what's coming down the line when going back and rewatching, it'll probably make people realize it's actually a pretty good movie. And it's just really amazing how they laid this seed. And I think this came out with Thor The Dark World in 2014. They laid the seed then, and here they are seven years later paying it off. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, they they put that out there. People are interested. It makes fan theories happen. And then, you know, they could get around to it. They might not. Same thing with um, Sam Rockwell's Justin Hammer being in that same one shot. Like, is that just a an Easter egg? Is it a reminder that that character's out there? I mean, it could go either way, depending on how they want to use him. So, you know, and it's kind of the same thing with like another good example would be um, Red Skull at the end of the first Avenger. Like they had him just poured off into space. It's like there's a thread they could pick up at any time, do anything with it. They just kind of set themselves up to go back and and then make people be like, oh, they planned that out so long ago. So when, <laughs> when they're just kind of planting seeds. They're geniuses. All over the, they're doing this kind of stuff all over the place, just planting these seeds and they can go back to them. Like another one is um, that hasn't been fulfilled yet is uh, all of the, the threads about the Avengers Tower being purchased in the Spider-Man movies, you know? Like they, uh, someone bought that tower. Is it, is it the Baxter building? Is it Oscorp? Like, like there's the, it, it's just planting a seed. They can go back to later. And the Mandarin is just another really good, really good example of that. In short, Kevin Feige is a genius. <laughs> Does that, let me push back on that a little bit though. Does it, not to say that sounds lazier that it, it doesn't it seem like constantly retconning Easter eggs, though, is can lead or can be some somewhat of a slippery slope? In what way? In in a sense that it, I I don't want to say that they had this planned out for the past ten years. I mean, it's been twenty thirteen was when Iron Man three was released, and now it's twenty twenty one, and we're getting the the actual Mandarin and Sean Chi. I don't think they had it planned out for eight years that they were bringing the Mandarin in. Oh, definitely not. But it just makes me start to wonder that if they're starting to retcon Easter eggs, how at a point at or at what point does it then become homework to go back and look and re I'm thinking for just general audiences here. At what point does it become homework? for them to go back to the older entries or go back and research. Like this is why fans are so excited about seeing this. Like I I just talked to somebody today about this is, this isn't apples to oranges, but in the no way home trailer, why Octavia shows up at the very end is the standards of the trailer. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't know who that was. Mm. So I just, I'm wondering at what point does, going back to older entries and older properties start to isolate general audiences. Yeah, I, I understand. Um, I think it's a valid concern. 
but I, I think in some cases, like the Trevor Slattery thing, I don't think is going to be anything that's going to take people out of the experience if they didn't see Iron Man three. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think, I think it's probably going to be a funny moment. That's even funnier if you understand the background of it all. Um, and the and same th- thing with like the other example I gave was the, the Avengers tower. So like if we ever well, yeah. see that as the Baxter tower, they'll retain the general shape so that people will go, Oh, that, you know, that, I can't believe they uh, took over the Avengers Tower or whatever. It's Oscorp now. That's kind of cool. Um, or when you go back, people who didn't realize they planted the Easter egg, when they go back and watch Homecoming, they're like, oh, the Avengers Tower is being sold. I know later that ends up being Oscorp. It's kind of cool that they laid that out. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think it is a valid concern. Like We had Endgame that was the culmination of like 20-some films before it. And if every movie is like, you know, there's a, a backlog of like six other movies leading up to it across <laughs> three different franchises or something like like we kind of have happening with, uh, you know, Multiverse of Madness as an example. You have WandaVision, you have Doctor Strange, you have um, Endgame, like all three kind of leading uh, and No Way Home. So four four franchise, four separate franchises that are intertwined leading up to this film. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just a Doctor Strange movie. It's not an Avengers. It's not anything else. So I think general audiences, when you put the Avengers tag in front of it, they're like, oh, I need to catch up on other things that have happened. For Doctor Strange, people, you know, if they just see the trailer, they might just go, oh, well, maybe I just have to watch Doctor Strange and I'll understand what's going on in Multiverse of Madness when that's not going to be but the case. But they're really like five other entries, including mm-hmm. a TV series that yeah, is doing... Yeah, that's the thing that's going to muddy things most is mm-hmm. you know, you're asking people four times a year to watch eight episode series, right? Mm-hmm. Or six to nine episodes, depending on what it is. So. I mean, to I mean to your point about Trevor Slattery, you, you and me and like other general fans will get it, but there might be some people who haven't seen Iron Man three since it came out in theaters. Yeah. So they might remember the twist, but they might not realize that this is what it's referencing. Not, not to say audiences are stupid, but I mean, it's, it's possible that that's just a fact that somebody forgot about in the past eight years. I mean, a a, a lot's happened. A lot's come out. I mean, I would say the general movie gover has seen Iron Man one, Iron Man three once since it came out. Yeah. Right. Like, Maybe once in theaters, maybe once afterwards, if it was just on on a on a channel somewhere, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially once you, you you go further down the line and you have right after that is, you know, you have Age of Ultron, you have all these other appearance appearances of Tony Stark that I mean, if a character has been in 10 movies, it takes a lot of decision making to get to the point where you're going to watch it, his fourth appearance out of those 10 movies, you know, like how mm-hmm. do you pick that one? Like if I'm in the mood to watch Tony Stark, like what are the, cha- if I'm a general audience go, or what are the chances I'm going to go back and watch Iron Man three, as opposed to going back to Iron Man one, where it all started or, you know, Avengers or one, you know, one of the more bombastic movies that are, you know, easier to put on and just watch. So I, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, um, they're doing what they can to mitigate it with legends. Um, but I think the the most important thing is to most of the connections outside of the things that are bigger team ups. Most of those connections should be more like ancillary. Like they should just be inside jokes or, you know, mm-hmm. um, 
you don't want the entire movie to be an inside joke where you've had to see everything. I mean, that's some, the problem some people had with Endgame. I didn't have it because I obviously. Well, yeah, we've you know, seen everything. All that... these movies multiple times leading up to it. So, mm-hmm. so you know, it's it's a uh, it's tough. I mean, this is why a lot of companies fold after they have like two or three connected movies, and then they, <laughs> you know, you release a couple clunkers, and you can't can't recover from it because mm-hmm. you know, no one wants to see what follows and they know they're all connected so well then you're then you're keeping up with like four or five different franchises that all have mm-hmm. different lore and different mm-hmm. entries that come out at different times during the week and like different like yeah keeping up i i've given up on trying to keep up with star wars i i'll watch the the mandalorian when it comes when season three comes around and when the uh the book of boba fett comes around but mm-hmm. i'm not keeping up with the bad batch or going back to the clone wars or mm-hmm. any of the other stuff i was excited but once i saw just how much was coming and I, I knew yeah. it can only be like i can only focus on one franchise mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's i mean i'm already chest yeah. deep in marvel we might as well just stick with that one yeah but I do think that it does start to lead to some concerns. I don't think the producers are are dumb to make an entire movie that's entirely insider based. Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, there's got to be somebody in the room that says we need to appeal to everybody yeah. as much as we can, especially with their branding as with their constant releases and branding of making four quadrant movies for uh, for the entire family i mean you could put anybody in front of i don't know thor rad and rock and they're they're gonna have they're gonna find something fun with it Mm -hmm. yeah and you have to uh, the key is just you have to make every movie stand on its by its own merits you know you have to make a story that makes sense without seeing other films like you can imagine what kind of what they're gonna do with multiverse of madness right i mean Mm -hmm. you you are going to reset the baseline of Doctor Strange, what his goals are, lay the stage for the multiverse. Um, and you kind of have to establish what Wanda is trying to do. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it could be as simple as like, my kids are lost in the multiverse. I want to find them. Like, you know, right. that, w- that line alone, without even knowing her history, people can kind of like relate to, you know, you, you have to bring it back to the human element. And I think that's what these films are so good at is the character work and always creating these characters that people can relate to. And now just doing it in this more diverse setting with what we've gotten with black Panther and Shang Chi. And then, you know, even the female led films um, like black widow and captain Marvel give everybody that chance to, to kind of relate to these characters. So to go back to the tie in point for the second, after that tangent, (laughs) let's circle back to Shang Chi for a (laughs) second here. We started with Trevor Slattery. Let's go. Well, I mean, to go back to the tie-ins for a second, we know Uh that Abomination's in this. Yep. Um, And if you really want to go into tie-ins, that goes all the way back to the Incredible Hulk. Yep. And then we have Wong in this as well from Doctor Strange, Infinity War, Endgame, and uh, upcoming No Way Home and Multiverse of Madness. How else do you think this will tie in? Do you think they need to bring anything else or anyone else in? I think... Outside of Wong and Abomination, I wouldn't expect much from the the bulk of the film. I think if we're going to get tie-ins, we're going to get them at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, in the, in the stinger. Scene. Yeah. yeah, that's stingers. Um, I've heard there's two with this, by the way. Okay. So make sure you're make sure you're sticking to the end. But 
I almost my my kind of hope for this is you know with the, there's a reason abominations in this film you know like I think mm-hmm. they're clearly setting up for like a thunderbolt or some sort of team that Val runs right so if you kind of take these two post credit scenes and I, I know that one of them is going to be like some joke or something because that's typically what they do one series one one kind of like uh, uh, pay off to a joke that was set up earlier in the movie mm-hmm. uh, like Fury with the <laughs> His cat scratching his eye in the the tesseract and Captain. Oh Marvel. yeah. So, I if if I were to pick two serious post credit scenes, I could see some sort of setup for Shang Chi entering the Avengers, like whether that's one of the remaining Avengers showing up um, in the post credit scene to recruit him or just speak to him. Um, you know, this is the first new character we've got post Infinity Saga, our first like new new, new title character. character. New yes. title character, I guess, is right. like, you know, Yelena Belova. Um, yeah. So I I think, you know, it'd be a nice call back to Iron Man that started the Infinity Saga by, <laughs> you know, getting recruited into the Avengers by Fury. It'd be cool to see that happen with Shang-Chi here. Um, I know we're probably a ways away from an Avengers film happening, but if you could just make a connection point between him and the Avengers so that people are like, oh, he's going to eventually join the Avengers or something like that. Um, which brings me back to Brie Larson. That's what I was going to say earlier. Like, could it be, could it be Brie Larson given her connections to Destin Daniel Cretton? Um, maybe, maybe a little, little setup for, um, what we'll see later in the Marvels and, you know, obviously set up Shang-Chi to show up in the Avengers. That's interesting. I didn't think, I didn't think of it tying her in that way. If, if they do tie her in, in one way or another, uh, I would, I would have to say if there's going to be a stinger, a serious one, uh, at least one that that would be Val going for or trying to recruit uh, abomination. abomination or it's Wong or Dr. Strange doing something with the rings or trying to get yes. the rings or, and this was my next question, tying this into the multiverse in one way or another. Because my question is, how do you think this fits into the multiverse on the sacred timeline? At this point, I think we can can we assume that this is in the sacred timeline or this is a branched timeline? I'm going to assume sacred timeline unless the film includes uh, for every film. I have to assume sacred timeline unless we see someone travel from the timeline that the film started into the. Uh, a branch or whatever. So is it possible then it's possible then that the stinger could be a branch somewhere or a, um, or somebody just drops in like it wouldn't be, it probably wouldn't be Kane here, but I a cane like figure dropping in from out of nowhere or a, or a villain from earlier in the movie coming back at the, at the end, just dropping right back where, where they started. I don't know. So, and it kind of introduces the multiverse into this, into the into the film side of Marvel, into in the into the cinematic side of Marvel because we've gotten it in the TV on TV now yeah. on Loki and What If, but that would bring it back to the actual movie entries. Yeah, I think some sort of um, so to address the multiverse question first, I think you know you could definitely do some sort of Wong related post credit scene. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, with him showing up in the movie, it, it does feel kind of natural that maybe you connect this back to Multiverse of Madness in some way. And they put some sort of tease with Wong in there. 
I could definitely I could definitely see that happening. I don't know if we'll see another like branch reality featuring the characters we've seen in Shang-Chi, but maybe some sort of reference um, from Wong about the events of you know, maybe this is happening at the same time as No Way Home or mm-hmm. um, something like that. So I, I definitely could see um, something along those lines. And then on on the point of Val, my, my actual hope for this is that <clears throat> we get two post-credits one of them is Shang-Chi being recruited to the Avengers and one mm-hmm. is Abomination being recruited into the Thunderbolts to kind of parallel each other like really okay. nicely. I thought that I highly doubt it because those are two like like huge level post credit <laughs> scenes, you know, <laughs> like I, I just we haven't I can't imagine I can't think of the last MCU film we got that had something like that. But I, I, it's it's really hard to say. It's really hard to say. I don't know. I would argue. I would argue that Black Widow had a pretty large one with Yelena going to. Well, yeah, but it was just one. Oh yeah, that's I'm true. I'm saying like I can't. I oh, can't not having the last two. Time we like... had two that were like, you know, not universe changing, but like yeah. two with high impacts. Usually, it's like one joke and then one one serious one. Unless it's Guardians two and you have five and. They yeah, threw they five like, in there. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Um, but I, I would really either of those along with the joke one is good with me. Um, uh, we we also haven't seen um, a post credit scene in a while that is basically just a scene from an upcoming film. Like we, you know, we got that with Ant Man when we got the scene that was straight out of Civil War. I um, wonder if they're gonna do that anymore because I don't I don't know if people liked that. I didn't like it. But uh, was, I'm just thinking of it as a possibility. Like, do we get um, a Wong scene from Multiverse of Madness in this in some way? Like, I maybe Shang-Chi is consulted on it or something. And, <laughs> yeah, just the same exact <laughs> Like, they have America Chavez in, like, a vice grip, like, her arms. Wong <laughs> <laughs> looks up. I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> In the exact same like room, yeah. Strange is like knelt down beside her, not knowing what to do. America's like your mother's name was Sarah. I don't know what I you're talking. I didn't about. like that at all because it, it just it confused me. I didn't realize it was a scene directly from that movie until we started Civil War, knowing that Steve hadn't connected with Bucky again. You know, it, it just felt so. Well, I think that was just their way of trying to bring uh, Scott and the Ant-Man character into Civil War. Yeah, it was just, I mean, that's what the film was doing. It was just the post, putting that as a post-credit scene Yeah, just kind of odd. Yeah, I'm I'm just, I'm really excited to see what this sets up. My, My expectations are just give me good action, give me good world building. Um, and give me just something mystical and weird that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a whole new side of mysticism we haven't seen in the MCU, and that it just it just excites me because it's going to feel so fresh and so fun, and I just can't wait to see it. Well, I think that's about all I have to say for for this preview. Yeah, I've got nothing else to add. I'm I'm ready to see it and start doing the review. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, and we will be seeing this at the drive-in, hopefully. Yeah, it's going to be a unique viewing experience for me. I haven't seen a, an MCU film at the drive-in. I'm a little, I'm a little hesitant to go back to a packed theater on 
on opening night. So I mean, yeah, I don't uh, blame you. I do want to catch this again at a theater eventually, but maybe I'll wait till like a, a midday type situation mm-hmm. on a, a Sunday afternoon or something. Yeah, I uh, <laughs> I saw I saw Homecoming at a, at a drive-in. It was fun. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a unique, fun experience. Yeah. All right. Well, I know you're all looking forward to seeing Shang Chi uh, with us, just in the same same ways we are. So, I think with that, we'll kind of sign off for the week, and we'll we'll be back uh, a little bit later this week with our um, review of episode five of What If. Um, I believe this one is the Doctor Strange episode, so that's that's pretty it is. exciting. Yeah, the, the promo the for it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it'll be it'll be fun. Cap- Captain Carter is in it. Very cool. Excited for that one. <laughs> so we'll we'll be reacting to that later this week, and then uh, early next week, our Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings review will be going up. So look forward to that, and we will talk to you all next time. For Jared, I'm John. We'll see you later.